Welcome to the Stewards' Inquiry on the Winners' Enclosure, a cracking weekend of racing that took place in Ireland, and we're going to concentrate on that. We're also going to have a look at a couple of big anti-post fancies of some big races that take place throughout the summer. Martin Dixon with me now, and Martin, lots to talk about. Yeah, no, it was a really good weekend of racing, wasn't it? As, as we keep saying, when you hit these summer months in the flat season, it's just every single week, pretty much, you, you're getting high-quality action. The, the chunk of it this weekend was in Ireland, wasn't it? Certainly the very best of the racing was in Ireland. We had some decent stuff over, over here in Britain. But on the back of Royal Ascot, it was uh, the focus in Ireland and at the Curragh on Saturday and Sunday. What a fabulous season it's turning out to be for Charlie Appleby to win an English derby and an Irish derby with two different horses. I don't think he was expecting that. I think he thought he had some nice three-year-olds, but uh, that's a pretty impressive performance. Amazing. I mean, Charlie Appleby's operation for the last, what, four or five years has been incredible with the results that they've got sort of all over the globe, really. Um, and Hurricane Lane and Adayar, if you take those two independently, there's probably not a whole lot to choose between them if you take their very best performance. So that's Hurricane Lane and what he did at the Curra on Saturday. And Adayar from the Derby, who obviously had that form boosted by what Hurricane Lane has gone and done. But I do think Hurricane Lane was unsuited by the track at Epsom, which is something that you pointed out to me earlier on in the week when you were, you were fancying Hurricane Lane to run a big race, Emma. Um, he was unsuited by the track at Epsom but he was also well suited by the track at the Curra and we just saw him in a much better light didn't we and, and to be honest I thought he was valued for winning by more than the neck because Frankie Dittori gave Lone Eagle a peach of a ride he was always on the front end the tempo of the race slowed at the halfway point it quickened up and it could have been a very decisive move but Hurricane Lane was good enough ultimately to run down a really progressive rival in Lone Eagle but also a horse that nipped away at a key point in the race off the home turn and Hurricane Lane didn't go through the gears in quite the same way that Lone Eagle did but ultimately his superior stamina and I think to some extent his superior ability did just come through in the end. So given that Frankie was obviously very good on Lone Eagle, um, if those two met again, you're going to say at which track? Of course that, that would be key. Um, how do you think they'd fare? Which, which of the two do you, think, uh, do you think has the future going forward? Yeah, to be honest, I'm going to a little bit sit on the fence and say both of them, I think, under the right circumstances. Hurricane Lane, I see very much as a stayer. I think Lone Eagle does have a little bit of pace for a middle distance horse. So he clearly saw the 12 furlongs out really well. But that was his first go at a full mile and a half. And he's going to be, I think, just as effective if you dropped him back in trip. I think Lone Eagle could drop back to 10 furlongs in the good races and still be competitive and produce that sort of performance. Hurricane Lane, you'd want over a mile and a half and probably even further, to be honest. You know, he could develop. Charlie Appleby's got a decision to make, really, as to which horse becomes their ledger horse, if, if either of them, I suppose, because independently, Hurricane Lane and Adayar could both be that type of horse that has buckets of stamina and will stay well enough and be good enough as well to potentially win the ledger. Okay, quick word on some of the disappointments. I mean, we've got to start with High Definition, who went off a fairly short price favourite. You and I both felt last week he just didn't warrant that. I mean, he's trained by Aidan O'Brien, who's got this great big reputation. So sometimes, you know, ignore at your peril. But in his case, disappointed in the Dante and then beat two home here. That was another head-scratching performance, wasn't it? It was. I, I must admit, it was almost a too-bad-to-be-true run, though, wasn't it? Like, he, he's yeah. clearly... I, I'd almost ignored this performance in the grand scheme of things in many ways because he just 
he, he obviously had the early stumble, which has been talked about a lot, and he, he did, it happened. And then from that point, he was struggling probably four furlongs out. He was off the bridle, and he looked pretty much the first horse beaten, to be honest. But we do know that he's better than that. And I'd rather look back at the Dante and think, well, look, you know, he looks like a stayer. He shapes pretty well if you consider that he's a stayer and he's a bit rusty first start back in the season. And on that performance, it's not impossible that he still becomes sort of a ledger candidate for later on in the season. So hopefully we see him back. I don't know whether that will be the plan because Aidan O'Brien was talking about, you know, an autumn campaign, whether that takes innocent ledger or not, we'll wait and see. I'm sure options will be open, but it was too disappointing to sort of be the real high definition. So um, we'll leave a blank page there, I think, and wait until we see him again. What about the pretty poly stakes? I think I was pretty pleased to see Thundering Knights win, to be honest, because I, I, I do think deserved this. She had some very good form. She was just denied in the Belmont stakes, just denied by Broom at the Curra the time before. And I think this was just deserved. Yeah, I do, I do too. And look, she's turned over, got the better of Santa Barbara in a tight finish. I think there was a little bit of um, criticism perhaps aimed at Ryan Moore. Um, but in the case of Thundering Beauty, I, I just felt like she was the best horse, marginally, you know, as the result tells you. But she just had, one, she has a bit more experience, and I think that told on the day. She she went through the gears a little bit quicker, didn't she? You look at them two furlongs out, and yes, Santa Barbara's stuck in a little bit of a pocket in, in the middle of the pack. But she's under pressure at that point when Thundering Beauty starts to move forward and really starts to go through the gears. And ultimately, that was the point in the race that I thought Thundering Beauty got away. Then they come inside the furlong, and to be honest, Santa Barbara, for about 100 yards before the line, has every chance to go past. And Thundering Beauty just digs out that extra little bit more and shows a very willing attitude. It was a great race between them. I thought I wouldn't be in a hurry to make up excuses for anything in the field, really. I felt that look, the best the best filly on the day won. And that's not to say that Santa Barbara, as she progresses again with as she gets more experience, won't improve her form again. I think she probably will, to be honest, because... You go back to Newmarket, she was sent off favourite, she had the reputation, etc. But inexperience got a beat, she didn't really handle the track. I didn't think she stayed in the Oaks. And Saturday, Sunday, sorry, was probably the first time that we've seen what she's all about. But I still felt like, and she's entitled to be on her fourth career start, that she was still learning her job to some extent. And I think she'll benefit a great deal from being involved in a proper race at the business end for the last furlong in that battle with Thundering Beauty. I think we could see Santa Barbara take that forward and improve her form again next time we see her. Quick word on um, Santa Barbara's optimum trip. Obviously, you've mentioned she ran in the Guineas. She ran well. She ran in the Oaks, where it probably didn't stay. Um, and then, obviously, she ran over a mile and a quarter at the weekend. Do you feel that 10 furlongs is going to be her best trip? I think 10 furlongs with a little bit more ease in the ground than she had on Sunday. Um, it was quick ground on Sunday. And I just felt like, you know, if you go back to a maiden win, it was on soft ground. Obviously, the Oaks was soft ground, but it was over a trip that stretched her. I feel like the combination of a mile and a quarter maybe good to soft ground, just a little bit more ease underfoot than there was on, on Sunday uh, will probably be her optimum. And she should get that at some point this season. So I'm looking forward to seeing her again. Obviously, as yet, she hasn't lived up to all of the hype, but she was beating a neck in a Group 1 on Sunday. And I think she'll get that Group 1 win before the season's out. But the, the winner, Thundering Beauty, is a, you know, she's a fully proven Group 1 operator, isn't she? And she's going to be around in these big races all season. Yeah, she certainly is. Totally agree with, with all your points there. 
I think Santa Barbara has a group one in her in the not too distant future. What about the Cara Cup? Because this was won very easily by Aidan O'Brien's Aran Nabiang, who made all and basically nothing got near him. This was a massively improved performance. It was. I think I think there was a two things at play really. Colin Keane was allowed too much rope early on in the race. I, I think he, he got a bit of a cheap lead and got too many lengths early on in the race. Now, the overall time wasn't a, a, a particularly slow one, so he wasn't sort of going clear and completely dictating matters going slowly, but I felt like he built up a, a clear lead too easily early on in the race, and as a result of that, sort of nothing got near him. But such was the decisiveness and dominance of the win, winning by seven lengths, that it may not have been the absolute factor between winning winning and getting beaten, if that makes sense. I think there probably should have been, it should have been a tighter finish than it was. Um, but under the circumstances, he was given a very good ride. He was seen to very good effect, but he still clearly, under those tactics, put up a, an improved performance from what we'd seen in the past. So um, I'd have liked to have seen Pondus probably sitting a little bit closer to the pace, certainly as they left the back straight, maybe starting to move a little bit earlier. But plenty of horses just didn't fire in this race to me, Emma. And I think more than anything, I would sort of underline the result as that and think that just lots of horses that underperformed on the day fell into the lap of around the Navian to uh, to be able to be as dominant as he was but you've got to sort of have all round have a question mark over what this is worth whether it's a performance that the winner will be able to reproduce for, for various different factors including his own inconsistency through his career so far. Yeah, I totally agree. Go back to his form. He was 11th of 12 when he last saw him in the Gold Cup at a big price. And just generally, his form doesn't stack up. And then to suddenly absolutely run them ragged in a Group 1, um, as you say, under a very good ride from Colin Keane, it's very difficult to take the form very literally. Yeah, and I think there are cases like this that crop up from time to time where undoubtedly a horse has got a lot of natural ability and they can gallop but if they're actually asked to race properly race maybe their head's not in it at times and if you look at around Navian we saw him in the gold cup they had blinkers on him for instance and he's possibly a horse that has let them down a few times and he's maybe his, his heart's not been in it and his mind hasn't been right at certain times but if you allow those horses to just get out on their own run on their own steam and never be involved in a race they can actually produce a you know, show what they're, they're capable of effectively because it doesn't involve sort of having to try too hard. They're just out on their own doing what they enjoy. And it felt like it was just one of those instances where he was just able to get out in front, do his own thing, gallop away and not have to think about it all too much. And, you know, it's unlikely that the next time that we see around the VN, he'll be allowed the same luxury anyway. He wasn't unfancied. I was quite surprised he went off um, nine to two, sort of second favourite or something. Um, considering what he'd done before, um, you know, they it wasn't a shock, was it, to Team O'Brien afterwards? That's for sure. What about one to take out of the weekend? Let's uh, let's head back home because we had some pretty good racing here, Newmarket, everywhere, Chester, uh, Newcastle, their big day of the year. What what struck you as a horse that you'd like to stick with going forwards? <laughs> and of all of those places, I'm going to Chester. 
for the opening contest, which was a one-mile novice stakes. Um, this is a horse that just was a big eye-catcher, and I can't not include him, really. Um, he's a horse called Come On Kenny that uh, Ian Williams trains, and he won a bumper. If you go back to the winter months, he, he, he was a bumper winner for Ian Williams, and then he finished second in another bumper, so he showed plenty of ability in that sphere. But they've switched him to the flat, and running three times in novice races over a mile. The first one was at Nottingham. He ran okay. He just looked like he needed a longer trip. Um, and then they've run him twice at Chester. The latest one was on Saturday, and he finished like a train in the last two furlongs. Um, you know, he was absolutely full of running, passing the post. It was over a seven and a half furlong trip, which when you consider he's a bumper winner, clearly that yeah. was an inadequate trip. That's but Chester. He was, <laughs> Chester, exactly. And you watch him early. I mean, he's slow out of the stalls. He's, he's, he's quite badly outpaced for the first quarter of the race. But the way that he finished off was, you know, eye-catching to say the least. Uh, so come on, Kenny. I think his handicap mark will come out Tuesday morning, but have a good eye on that. He's clearly a stayer. I expect that he'll be up to 12 furlongs or further at moving into handicap company, and he could be a big, big improver. Yeah, OK. Well, I've gone for a horse that was a winner at the weekend, Z-Band. He was a horse I quite liked in the race beforehand. This was the consolation race um, of the Northumberland Plate. He's a horse that they've always liked. He's never done a lot wrong. He's been pretty progressive in what he's done so far. And he stepped up to two miles for the first time. He sort of mainly been campaigned over a mile six and was, to me, really quite a comfortable winner. I think he won off a mark of 87 at the weekend. Um, you'd expect him to probably go up to 93, 94. And I just think that, that there's probably bigger handicaps to be won with him. And I think he's one that... Um, that you should keep on side. What about the performance of the season so far, just to open it right up? Yeah, um, I mean, we've had a big couple of weeks of racing and you could throw a lot of, of, of performances into the mix here, but I think both of us are going to go to Royal Ascot and my standout performance of the Royal Ascot week was Poetic Flair in the St. James's Palace. I mean, I, I felt like going into that race that the, the milers and the mile and a quarter horses to some extent, the three-year-olds, uh, sort of were quite a close-knit pack of horses where there was quite a few of them that you could make a case for um, being the best of them by the end of the season. But Poetic Flair just completely put the marker down, didn't he? Now, he could have been, it could be argued he was the obvious horse anyway, having won the, the 2,000 guineas. But he won the two, when he won the 2,000 guineas, you, you could be forgiven for thinking that other horses were a little bit unlucky or other horses shared better on the day for one reason or another and that things just worked out well for Poetic Flair, which is why he won the guineas. But in the St. James's Palace, he really strutted his stuff with, with real authority and put down for me what was the marquee three-year-old performance of the season. And I think it was just the best performance all told of the season so far from any horse and the time backs that up as well it was one of the fastest um st james's palace stakes since 1970 i think only shamadal and barney roy have, have run the race quicker than poetic flair did and also when you consider that the overall time was very quick poetic flair's last furlong was faster than any other horse in the field according to the official longines sectional times he went 11.69 through the last furlong. So that is a really quick closing furlong that he's produced, despite always being quite close to what was a strong gallop that allowed the overall time of the race to be very good. So 
you know, he was still going further clear of the pack at the line. He won by nearly five lengths. Um, and I thought that was the hallmark performance of the week and uh, at Royal Ascot and as I say of the season so far. Yeah, I don't disagree. He was so dominant um, on that occasion. As you say, you could have sort of gone, mm, you know, after the English guineas, well, and then he went to France and things went against him. But no, he absolutely showed. He's taken plenty of racing this year already as well in top contests. And he absolutely put the, put the race to bed and was extremely dominant and looks very, very exciting. Roll on the Sussex Stakes um, with a big, big clash there. I liked in the staying race in the Gold Cup, Subjectivist. Um, whilst I've really enjoyed over the years watching Stradivarius, I've always been slightly dubious in quite a lot of these races as to what he's been beating. Um, and this was such a good effort. It was so impressive what he did in Maidan, but you know, sometimes you can think, mm, you know, that was Dubai, things are different. Anyway, he's obviously had quite a, a troubled path to get him back to the track. Things have sort of gone against him, but um, to me, he was so dominant in, in the Goodwood Cup. And again, I very much look forward to, um, to Glorious Goodwood when they, when they match again. And I think he'll be the one that comes out on top. I, I, I liked everything he did. Is he a, a horse that I think could be around at that top level for quite a while now? Yeah, and I think it would be stretching it, wouldn't it, to say that Strad Stradivarius was unlucky, really, in any way. Yeah. I know he probably should have finished second. He should have finished, you know, sorry, he should have finished closer. Um, but he, 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 when he, when he met the trouble, Subjectivist was away and gone anyway. You know, he, he as you say, dominated the race. And that was a... A, a much improved performance from him and he, he just looks a much improved horse this year he was obviously very likable in his three-year-old campaign but this year he looks an altogether uh, improved horse that's it okay a couple of anti-post bets for races of your choice uh, throughout the summer what are you liking well, I'm going to stick with um, having put Poetic Flare up as the performance of the season and seeing that he's not anti-post favourite for the Sussex Stakes. It kind of makes sense that I have to go with that. Um, Palace Pier, of course, will be the other horse in there and the other fancied horse in there. But I think the Poetic Flare that we saw at, at Royal Ascot would, would, would turn over. Uh, Palace Pier, who, if you look back, I was really impressed with him at the time in the Lockinge, but you look back and think, okay, it was visually impressive, but I think the ground conditions did really suit him that day with a little bit of ease in the ground. Um, he beat Lady Berthorpe, who couldn't quite do it against... She ran really well at Ascot, but she couldn't quite do it against the Phillies. Top rank was further back. He couldn't quite win a listed race on Saturday um, at, at Windsor, admittedly. But you can knock the form a little bit. And I just feel like the dominance and improvement, really, that Poetic Flair is finding, he's sort of on that upward trajectory and will be able to, to, to beat um, Palace Pier come Goodwood. And the other horse that I, I, I am um, I'm sort of inclined to try and get involved with this as soon as I can, but Project Dante in the, in the Nunthorpe Stakes um, at York, which is obviously, what, near, near enough two months away still, isn't it? Um, but this is a two-year-old that ran at Royal Ascot, and he was a, I thought he was unlucky not to win the, the Norfolk Stakes. He met trouble on the stands rail, couldn't get through at a crucial point, finished off fast, and he was only beaten a neck. Um, it was a really good run, but he's a horse who made a winning debut over the five furlongs at York at, at the Dante meeting, and then the name says it all. Um, and then, as I say, he was unlucky in the Norfolk Stakes. I think he's got the potential to be one of the best two-year-old sprinters that we've got this this season 
And Nunthorpe, the Nunthorpe is the only Group One race in Britain that is open to uh, two-year-old, that is open to, to two-year-olds. And we've seen the likes of Kingsgate Native um, have won it in the last 15 years. He won it in 2007. Lyric Fantasy won it in, uh, in 1992. And we've had other horses run really well as well. Acapulco was only just beaten into second in 2015. They get £24. Um, I think that it, you know, Batash got beaten at Royal Ascot, so we can say that maybe the division is is quite open. Um, if we think that, you know, potentially at least he's uh, he's not going to be quite the same force this this season. Oxted, I don't think would be five furlongs at York. I don't think would suit him in the same way that um, that five furlongs at Ascot did. So I think it would be an open race potentially the Nunthorpe this year, and going for a two-year-old with receipt of. Twenty-four pound has been a, you know, it has it has happened before. He's going to be about a twenty. Well, he's about a twenty-to-one shot at the moment. So um, I think that could end up looking quite a big price if we go and see him do do the business in one of the good five furlong two-year-old races. In the meantime, good, cool, like the logic sounds um, sounds intriguing. Well, I've already spoken about one of mine. I've spoken about subjectivist. So obviously, I'm going to stick with him when when there's a rematch with Stradivarius in the Goodwood Cup. Um, they sort of price them up at the moment. Subjective is seven to four. Stradivarius nine to four. Um, I can't see anything getting near Subjectivist. I just think this is the, the beginning of his dominance in the staying races. And Stradivarius has been amazing. He's won this race four times before. I don't think he'll make it five. And um, yeah, very much look forward to the clash there. And then on to the, the theme of the sprinters. You just mentioned the horse that I like, the July Cup Oxford, but that's a very different race to the Nunthorpe, obviously. He is effective over five and six, but a stiff five, really. He won the July Cup last year. Dream of Dreams, they're sort of joint favourites at the moment at about five to one. I just don't think this is his race. Um, I don't think the track for whatever brings out the best in him. I think Ascot does. He ran in the race, I think, last year and beat just a couple home. And I, I just don't think we see him to his very best there. Oxted is not ground dependent he probably doesn't want it very soft but he's happy on fast ground and he's happy with some cut in the ground good performance at Ascot plenty of speed and like I say he's last year's winner and I can see him being a huge player in what looks quite an intriguing race so they are my two to look forward to and we've got lots to look forward to this weekend but we will catch up later in the week and yeah try and find you some winners for the weekend Martin thank you thanks very much Emma cheers